When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. The game is done. David, you are my favorite Dodger insider. Time for Dodger Talk. you ready for the brand new thing, let me hear you. We break down all the action and give you your chance to react. David Vazay is going to join us. LA's favorite son. 866-987-2570. We are rolling, boy, rolling. It's time for Dodgers baseball. All right. Dodger Nation. Dodger Talk is brought to you by Chef Marito. Seasoning partner of the Dodgers. By Navian Tankless Water Heaters. For endless hot water, visit tanklessmadesimple.com. And by Chevrolet. Buy new roads. And now your host for Dodger Talk. David Vesey. We are live at Dodger Stadium. Welcome to Dodger Talk. David Vassay with you. Until around 1040, 10:45, we'll see where this goes after the Dodgers win their seventh in a row, defeating the San Diego Padres tonight by a final score of 8-3. to three. Tonight's a very special show because it's not too often that we have a player come up to the booth and it wants to take your phone calls at 866-987-2570. That's a 10-year veteran, spent seven years with the Blue Jays, but more importantly, he's a San Fernando Valley kid. And that is the one and only Kevin Pilar out of Chaminade High School in Dominguez Hills. How you doing, Pilar? I'm good. How you doing? Man, this is great to have you up here. I appreciate you having me. This is really special. The view. I know you have had some of the more spectacular views of so many different stadiums across baseball. How would you rank this view from the press box? This is number one for me. Like you said, I grew up here. Um, never been at the stadium this late. It's actually really peaceful right now. You know, but I, every time I, I come here, you know, I'm reminded of all the different places I came to games with my friends, with my family. Um, it's just a special place. It really is, and it's uh, special when the Dodgers win and they have a winning team like they do this year. Uh, Major League best record this year, and now winners of seven in a row. I know you're not around the team on the road, but when they come back, you certainly are part of this ball club. What have been? What's been the vibe in the dugout and in the clubhouse after the first two games of this series? You know, this team is, uh, you know, it's just business. You know, uh, they don't get you know, too excited about wins. They don't get too down about losses. You know, with the team they have and the pedigree they have, I think they just go out and expect to win every single day. When they don't win, they just come back tomorrow looking to win a game and, you know, no different. I know there was a lot of hype around this series, you know, with the Padres and the moves they made. Uh, They don't flinch. You know, they just go out and play their brand of baseball and they believe they're better than everyone they play. I don't know if you've caught any of the uh, documentary of the captain, Derek Jeter, but that seems like you're describing the Yankees dynasty of the uh, late 90s, uh, early 90s, and going into the 2000s. They just stayed very even-keeled, even though different uh, teams try to come at them, like the Oakland A's. They always just stayed right here. Yeah, I mean, they understand uh, when they put the Dodger uniform on and what they've been able to accomplish the last decade. 
they're going to get everyone's best, and they got to go out there and play well every single night where they're going to get beat. The best teams I've been a part of kind of have that mindset, kind of like you were talking about with the 2000 Yankees. Um, it's just business. They just go out. They don't get too high. They don't get too low. They don't know that this is just part of their journey. They're just counting down days, trying to win games, getting ready for the playoffs. Kevin Pilar's on the journey to come back. I, I know a lot of people were quick to say your season was over, but that isn't the case. No, that's not the case. Um, things have changed over the last two months. Just saw the doc on Monday and gave me some great news that I'll be able to play baseball again this year. Um, just preparing every single day. You know, I think when the uh, injury happened, I heard what the doctor had to say. By no means am I a doctor, but I always just believed in in my heart that it was possible. I never lost sight of that. Just took it day by day, tried to recover, uh, did everything they asked me to do, and I got great news that I'll be playing baseball at some point this year and just trying to put myself in the conversation for, you know, down the road. Um, things happen in baseball. Guys get hurt. Never want to see that happen. I'm just going to put myself in a position where I'm healthy and that I become an option if they need me. And you're a type of player. I've always admired you from afar. You're a winning type of player. Uh, how much does October baseball mean to you as far as a motivation to find a way to get healthy? It's everything. It's the reason I came here. You know uh, you know, with pre- pretty much certainty that the Dodgers are going to play in the postseason. Um, you know, I never envisioned, you know, back in February that I would sign a minor league deal. But when this opportunity presented itself, uh, my mindset was always to, you know, be healthy, be available, uh, you know, September and October. You know, we all dream for those moments in the playoffs. You know, I was a little bit spoiled early in my career to play in back-to-back postseasons. Haven't been back since. So when this opportunity presented itself, I just envisioned myself playing in the stadium in October having a big moment, being part of Dodger history. And Kevin, uh, Gavin Lux told me that you've been somewhat of a mentor to him. We all know how good you are defensively. He told me uh, maybe two homestands ago when he was getting more time in left field before the games, you were really helping him out even while being on the injured list. Yeah, I mean, I think that's just, you know, uh, you know, part of the game. When you've been around a long time, you know, there was obviously guys early in my career that helped me a lot. And I think that's a fulfilling thing for me to be able to give back. I made myself available. I never pushed it on him. He came to me one day and said he was ready to work. And, you know, I just, he's such a good player. He's so valuable to this team. And I know he doesn't necessarily look forward to the days he's playing in the outfield. He wants to be a second baseman. But I kept reminding him, you know, there's a reason you're going out there. They don't want to lose your bat. You know, so if I can just get you a little bit more comfortable out there, let's just go out there and work. And, you know, he, he's been great when he's been out there, and, you know, things have changed. You know, he's not probably going to get as many reps out there, but um, he's prepared when that opportunity presents itself. Kevin Pilar, a great teammate, is joining us up here in the booth for Dodger Talk. He is going to take your phone calls at 866-987-2570. He is a local kid, grew up in the San Fernando Valley. His parents still have a a flooring shop uh, on Ventura Boulevard right next to Dan's Super Subs, Pilar and Sons. You're one of those sons. Did you ever work in the parents' uh, flooring shop? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, know, it was... uh, just something we did as kids, you know, my parents were good and, uh, you know, hiring me and my friends to, you know, work during the summers and, and do some demolition or take out some floors. And, um, you know, my brother got into the family business. He still works there, too. So, uh, you know, he's holding it down for the family. 
I know you're a big Dodger fan growing up, a big Vin Scully fan growing up. How many of those days did you have the radio on listening to Dodger games with Vin in the San Fernando Valley? Every night, every day. You know, he was a big part of, uh, you know, my childhood growing up, you know, through college. He was a, you know, he was a... You know, he was everything to me. He was baseball to me. You know, he made me believe that, uh, you know, playing in the big leagues was possible. I think the best part about him was him just sharing stories about players. You know, when you come to games, you think they're superhumans. Ben had a way of, you know, making the players on the field just people just like you. Told their story about where they grew up, the high school, the things they went through in their life, and just made them very relatable. You know, I'd always come to games and thought, wow, these guys are superhuman uh been you know made it made me believe that they weren't superhuman that they were just people you know that put their shoes on the same way you did probably went through the same things you did growing up um you know and especially when he talked about local kids from this area he made me believe that it was possible when you listen to vin scully because a lot of guys that get to the level that you're at a lot of times they're out playing and not really watching or listening to baseball games, but do you feel like in some sort of way Vince Scully um, helped you get here because he was the one to inspire you to play baseball? No, I wouldn't say inspire. I think he just made me believe that it was possible. You know, I was always inspired to play baseball. I mean, what kid really isn't doesn't want to be a big leaguer? Um, you know, you ask any four or five year old kid that's sitting in the stadium, uh, they tell you they want to be a professional baseball player. You get a little bit older and you start to see things through a different lens and you think that they're, like I said, superhumans. Yeah. And you turn on the game at night and you listen to them talk about kids that went to, you know, local high schools that, you know, that you knew about. And you realize, oh, that was just a high school kid at one point. You know, I'm a high school kid. Why can't it be me? And that was a big thing he did for me. You you spent the beginning part of your career in the American League. I can't recall whether or not the Blue Jays ever came to Dodger Stadium. And did your paths ever cross with Vince Scully? No. Um, what, was, what was his last year? 2016. 2016. So during that year, if I remember correctly, he wasn't traveling a lot. Yeah. And the Dodgers came to Toronto when I was there. And unfortunately, um, he didn't make that trip. And for me, it was always a dream of mine just to... You know, have him tell my story, announce my name, and unfortunately, I never got that opportunity. I did meet him once uh, when my parents were doing his floors at his house. Uh, wow. I asked my dad if I could go, and he said, "Sure." You know, wasn't expecting him to be there, and he came out of a back room and introduced himself, and it was it was a it was a crazy cool moment. He couldn't have been any nicer. I know we've. You know, yesterday, you know, a, a lot of stories uh, were being told about him. You know, Skip came out and and delivered uh, an amazing speech. And, uh, you know, everything he said is so true. He was just super genuine, such a nice guy, so humble. Uh, That's definitely what I remember from meeting him. You know, he was someone I, you know, idolized. You know, he was everything to me growing up. And for him to come out and shake my hand, look me in the eye, you know, wish me the best of luck in my journey in baseball, made me believe that I could do it shared a couple stories. Um, it was it was incredible. Isn't it so great when a person like that meets the level of your expectations? 100%. It doesn't happen all the time, but, you know, he was as good as advertised. That's the voice of Kevin Pillar, Dodger outfielder. He's coming back. B-52 
Be ready. The great 1-8 never gives up on a season. 866-987-2570 is the phone number. Dodgers beat the Padres tonight 8-3. Let's go out to the phones. We have two lines open. So if you have a question or comment for Kevin Pillar, baseball question, he can answer it. He can answer a Dodger question better than I could. Let's go out to Whittier. Andrew, you're on Dodger Talk with David Basset and Dodger outfielder Kevin Pillar. How's it going, guys? Good. All right. Uh, I had a question for Kevin. All right. Go ahead and ask it. Hello? Yeah, I'm oh, sorry. Oh, yeah, sorry. I was, I was, but, um, yeah, so Clevenger has a quirky delivery. He kind of, like, rocks back and forth. And it seems to kind of contribute to his uh, – his problems with his consistency getting strikes and I was wondering as a batter do you see anything different do you come at it with a different approach when a pitcher has a different uh, mechanic with their delivery yeah you definitely have it's definitely uh, unique uh, it's something only he does um, we do a really good job of, of studying the pitchers before we get on the field um, you know everything that kind of happens before a guy's hands separate is all kind of just you know a distraction uh timing doesn't really change a whole lot when you're facing a guy like that you just kind of have to you know we talk about having soft focus and hard focus all that stuff is kind of soft focus early on and you know once he steps back and you know the hand separate is usually kind of the 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 timing most hitters are looking for it's pretty normal after that I think of a guy that pitched for the Dodgers and now is up in San Francisco, Alex Wood. He has a funky type of delivery. So those type of things really don't play a factor? No, I mean, Alex Wood is kind of a different case. Like his arm slot and where the ball is coming from is a different look. Mm. Clevenger's, a lot of the stuff is pre-pitch, so it's not a lot different. It's just you just can't get locked on him super early because he's he's moving a lot out there. Um, you try to have like this soft kind of focus on him, and you know once he he steps back, you know you kind of lock it in, and you kind of have your normal timing with him. You can appreciate the grind of a season and a career. How good did it feel in that dugout when Max Muncie hit that home run? Yeah, I mean, it, it's easy to write guys off. You know, baseball is a very difficult game, and Max has been uh, unbelievable contributor to the Dodgers organization the last couple of years. Uh, it's just a reminder baseball's hard, you know. Yeah. You know, he's working hard behind the scenes. I know he cares a lot, you know, and, you know, it feels – I feel good for him. I know he feels – he's going to feel good going home tonight, uh, coming up with that big home run. Uh, and hopefully it's, uh, you know, started something big for him. He's feeling good because he's listening to Pilar on Dodger Talk driving home right now. I doubt it. <laughs> 866-987-2570. Let's go out to the great 1-8, Woodland Hills. Linda, you're on with Kevin Pilar, the hero of West Hills. Hi. Hi. Turn off your radio, please, and talk to Kevin Pilar. Kevin? Hi, Linda. Hey, it's Linda. How you doing? <laughs> We've established right. who you are, Linda. What's your question? My question is, so do you get your speed from your dad or your mom? Uh-oh, is this a relative? This is a friend. They were actually here tonight at the game. I would say the better athlete off of a motorcycle is my mom. So I'll, I'm going to go with my mom. So your dad's a your motorcycle mom. rider. Yeah, my dad, my dad raced pro motocross um, oh. early on in his life. Uh, he's definitely better 
on two wheels than anyone in the house, but I would say off of two wheels, uh, my mom's the better athlete. Very good. I like that insight on Kevin Pillar there, Linda. Thank you for calling. Thanks. Thanks. All right. <laughs> I could tell she was excited. And once I saw Woodland Hills, I'm all, ah, oh, is this a, a Pilar friend, family member? I don't know everyone <laughs> from Woodland Hills. I do know a lot of people. <laughs> Oh, man, if Yankee Doodles was still open, Pilar, if those walls could talk, a lot of Vassay stories in yes, there. Yes, I wish. Let's share them after this. <laughs> okay, let's do that. Let's go out to Rialto. Eddie, you're on Dodger Talk with David Vassay. Hi, Eddie. Hey, what's up, Kev? What's up, Dave? How are you guys doing? Great. Great. Good. Well, I guess I, I'll, keep, I'll try to keep it short and sweet. Um, first off, Kev, I'm glad you're doing good, man. You are one of the best defenders I've seen in recent memory. This, the show is where you belong. I can't wait to see you back on that field. So, Thank you. First off, uh, a question for Kev. Are you looking forward to lifting that World Series trophy later on when you come back this year? And a question for Dave. You know, uh, Vinny values talent. And to all these guys that didn't play in the Vince Scully era, like Mookie, Kev, Trey, Freddie, and all these other guys, how much do you think Vin would love calling Dodger games, seeing these guys play on the field? Because we got a core of talent, and you know, Dave, that Vin would love to come to work and see these guys on the field every day. No doubt, Eddie. He would love uh, calling games like this. Uh, he loves talent, and you guys have all the props for Vin Scully moments, so I would say he would love doing that. As far as his other question, uh, can you visualization in sports is a big thing. Can you allow yourself to visualize something like hoisting a World Series trophy? Yeah, I mean, I think we all visualize that. Uh, I'm not quite ready to, to you know, uh, think about it quite yet. But I think you go through a lot of different phases in your career. I think you go from, you know, trying to establish yourself in the big leagues. That's a, it's an important thing. You kind of have this focus on yourself. You want to be a big leaguer. You want to figure out how to stay there. You also have this team aspect in mind too um but at this point i'm i'm at peace with what i've been able to do in my career um the only thing that matters to me is winning you know i i it's what motivates me every single day in my rehab is to have a glimmer of hope to come back and be a part of something uh that special uh to be able to hold up that trophy to be able to see it hold it feel it um and i really look forward to being part of a parade one day i think i'd be a lot of fun and get a little wild even the 2020 dodgers never experienced the parade so that's the motivation for guys like justin turner mookie betts kershaw they never got a parade in 2020 yeah, i think it's definitely something that motivates them i mean i i've been to uh two or three laker parades yeah. i was one of those crazies that that <laughs> went to those it's an unbelievable thing for the city it's an unbelievable thing for the fans uh it makes you feel so part of what they were able to accomplish and i know those guys uh unfortunately you know, won it during a, a tough time in the world. Um, I think those guys would really, really enjoy uh, celebrating with all the fans here in L.A. So were you at the Shack Parade, the Can You Dig It Parade? Is Kevin Pillar in the what is now L.A. Live, what used to be a parking lot? You know it. Oh, nice. If the Dodgers win the World Series and you get that microphone, I want to hear Pilar go Shack. Can you dig it? promise okay love it 866-987-2570 is the phone number we're going to take a time out when we come back more of kevin pilar with you live from dodger stadium after the dodgers defeat the padres eight to three right here on am 570 la sports yeah, I don't know somebody that's 
It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at, like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. On air at AM570, online at am570lasports.com, and available by podcast on the iHeartRadio app. This is Dodger Talk with David Bassett. Colin Yee taking care of our in-booth guest for Dodger Talk tonight. Kevin Pillar, Dodger outfielder, on the injured list currently, but on his way back in September and for a Dodgers October run. Welcome back to Dodger Talk. David Basset and Kevin Pillar with you at 866-987-2570. I have no idea about country music, Pillar. Maybe some Luke Bryan, some Garth Brooks here and there. So why don't you let everybody know who that was? That's low cash. Low cash. I like that. That's a new wave type of hip-hop country genre, right? I would say it's a little more pop country, but yeah, it's, it's feel good. Okay. I did. I felt good listening to that. Because I think that's a, that's a thing about... <laughs> That's the thing about walk-up songs. It's like everyone has their own idea of what a walk-up song should be, right? For yeah. me, it's like I want to feel good. Some people want a song that's going to get them pumped up. Some people want a song that, you know, does something for them. For me, it's always I want to feel good. I want it to be relatable. You know, it's always fun to get a little, uh, you know, fan participation. I go with Fat Bottom Girls a lot, too, because it's a well-known song. People like it. Uh they only play it for a little bit of time, so if you can get the fans to like sing the lyrics, it's a pretty cool. It's a pretty cool thing. I like that. I would go with "Eye of the Tiger." No, you wouldn't. I'm a big Rocky fan. You look like a Rocky fan. Eight six six nine eight seven two five seventy is the phone number. Kevin Pilar and I were just showing, sharing stories about him being a Dodger fan, and it's wild to hear a college baseball player like yourself that was going to be drafted actually still have the love for his boyhood team, the Dodgers. And my, uh, my first traumatic experience as a Dodger fan was back in 1985 when Jack Clark here at Dodger stadium hit a go ahead, home run off of Tom Needenfewer to give the Cardinals the lead in the eventual NLCS win in game six out there in left field, Pilar, Pedro Guerrero, watched the ball go over his head into the pavilion and slammed his glove on the grass. Uh, Jack Clark is uh, public enemy number one in Los Angeles, and you were sharing the last time you came to Dodger Stadium as a fan and may have been just as traumatic. Yeah, it was very traumatic. <laughs> I, I'm not sure what it was. Was it a game six? I don't remember the exact uh, game. I just know that Jonathan Broxton was pitching and Matt Stairs hit the ball that, just landed yesterday. Yes. You don't need to say anything else. We all remember that. Uh, that was uh, that ended the Dodgers' hopes of going back to the World Series in 2008 against the Was that the, the year the Phillies won as well, too? They won in 09 over – no, it is 08. They beat the Rays in 08. Andrew Friedman's Tampa Bay Rays in David 2008. Price. Yeah. His Tampa Bay Rays, That's too. right. He came up that year as a September call-up and was pitching out of relief for the Rays that right year. Right out of college. Amazing. Amazing what that guy's done in his career. It's, you know, one of my favorite teammates I've ever played with. 
I played with him the one month in Toronto or two <laughs> months in Toronto. One of my favorite human beings, one of the best guys ever. Uh, it was so so good to see him this year when I came into spring training. Familiar face, and he's just such a good guy. I feel like people forget how good he was, especially here in L.A., because we never experienced prime David Price, except when he was with the Red Sox and beat the Dodgers in 2018. But I don't feel enough respect is being put on his name and what he's accomplished. Yeah, and there's also a, a huge, you know, with someone as accomplished as he is and the things that he's accomplished in his year, Cy Young, uh, first overall pick, um, you know, probably 200 wins in his career. For him to, uh, you know, not demand he needs to be a starter to, to take a, a different role and pitch out of the bullpen and pitch when he's asked to and pitching at a high level just talks about how great of a guy is and how important winning is to him. And, um, you know, he's just a great human being. I'm glad you brought up uh, David Price in Toronto because I talked to him last homestand. He said that may have been one of the greatest baseball experiences, not just pitching for a city, but pitching for a country. And you guys were so fun to watch when you acquired David Price. He got too low at the trade deadline. I'm sure you could relate a little bit to how the Padres were feeling. Yeah, it's definitely when when you – you know, every year you go in with this hope that uh, you're going to go to the playoffs, that you have a team that can compete and win a World Series. You know, I think the previous year in 2014, I was up and down, and we were kind of hovering around first place, and Alex Anthropolis kind of stayed put at the break, and, you know, things didn't go our way. We missed the playoffs by a couple games. Um, the following year, we put ourselves in the same position, and he went out and Got Troy Tulowitzki, brought in David Price, brought in LaTroy Hawkins, brought in Mark Lowe, brought in Ben Revere, and there was just this huge shot of adrenaline, this belief that, you know, front office, organization, owners believe that we had a team that could win a World Series. Um, it was a huge, huge boost in that clubhouse, uh, especially when you get guys of the caliber of Troy Tulowitzki and David Price, and it was an unbelievable time to play in Toronto. Um like you said, it's a unique experience too. You're not you're playing for more than a city. You're playing for an entire country. Um, it, it's one of one. It's the only place uh, in baseball that you get to do that, and uh, it was a special time in my career. So Kevin Pilar gets free Molson every time he goes to Canada. I would I would like to think so. Yes. <laughs> 866-987-2570 is the phone number. Kevin Pillar, nice enough to come up to the booth after the Dodgers beat the Padres tonight 8-3. to We have two lines open, so if you want to get in, this is your chance to talk to a big leaguer, Kevin Pillar. Let's go out to Bryson, who is at Dodgers Stadium tonight. Bryson, say hello to Kevin Pillar. Hi, Kevin. I just want to first off say that I am a West Coast baseball thoroughbred, so it's nice to be talking to you. Thank you. What's and, your question uh, for uh, the, for Pilar? The question is, after Max Muncy's home run, how did the momentum shift in the dugout? I mean, it was it was obviously a huge hit. It was a huge home run. Um, you know, but, I, yeah, I mean, things like that, just momentum kind of just happens. But I think there's always this belief with this team that you're, you know, one swing away. Um, you know, and that's not the, the first time, you know, Max has hit a big home run this year after, uh, you know, they intentionally walked – uh, yeah, that's Trey, right. In Chicago, in Chicago against Chicago, the White Sox. And that was a very similar situation. Um, you know, Will swinging a good bat, had 
already clipped him earlier in the game, had another base hit. You know, they had no really intention of, of pitching to him, you know, hit him, kind of just to get him on base to, to face a guy that has been struggling a little bit, and he came up with a big hit. You know, he's been in big moments. He's not afraid of the big moment. It's the second time, you know, that I remember this year him stepping up in a big moment uh, when he felt like they didn't want to face the guy in front of him, and it's a huge thing for him, a huge thing for this team, and I know he's going to sleep good tonight. Is momentum a real thing, or is that something people like me talk about after games? No, momentum's real. Um, it, it can't be manufactured. It can't be faked. It's just something that happens organically. It's just, you know, you can feel it um, in the game. And it might not even have been the home run. That's kind of the cherry on top. I think, you know, them, you know, not wanting to pitch the will there, hitting him, getting max up, you could kind of feel like there's this momentum building, and it can go one of two ways, and... Uh, once it, once that ball uh, left his bat, you know, we didn't know it was going to be a home run, but we knew at very least they were going to score two runs there. Uh, big momentum switch there. How about the first innings of the first two games of this series? Last night they make Onslaught throw 30 pitches in the first inning and don't score a run. Tonight Profar leads off the game with a double, is stranded at third base, and then Will comes up to lead off the bottom of the second inning. Uh, when you talk about momentum, it not, doesn't necessarily need to be in the eighth inning of a game or a fifth inning. Could it be the first inning? Absolutely. Um, you know, they did a really good job with Tony last night. Tony, you know, has been outstanding this year. Um, you know, he worked really hard. He got through five innings. They did a really good job. Um, but that's why he put together a good bullpen. And they were able to, you know, you know, finish the job that Tony wasn't able to go deeper in the game. But like you said, momentum could start. You know, from the first hitter, you know, sometimes a leadoff hitter likes to be super aggressive and just kind of set the tone for the game. Whether he gets a hit, doesn't get a hit, it's just kind of a thing where you're trying to set the tone, like we're going to be aggressive today. You can't just get strike one in here. Um, but for he need to get out of the first inning after giving that leadoff double is a big momentum switch. You know, you never like to get down in games, but you understand it's a long game. But for him to uh, strand the runner at second base is a, a huge momentum swing. Hey, speaking of the bullpen, is Evan Phillips the most unassuming, nastiest relief pitcher in the National League at least? Yeah, we, we kind of joke around a little bit about maybe Andrew Friedman's kind of, you know, when people search his name, <laughs> there's like a hundred other Evan Phillips that come up. We're, yeah. we're trying to keep this guy super uh, not known to the baseball world, um, but he's been unbelievable. Uh you know, what he's done since he's come over here has been remarkable. I faced him a couple years ago in Baltimore when he was there. He always had the good stuff, um, but something's clicked for him, and it's been unbelievable his ability to work himself out of jams, work other pitchers out of jams. Um, he's he's extremely nasty. He's very confident. He's a very cool, calm guy um, off the field, on the mound. He just believes in his stuff, and... It's been it's been really fun to watch. Very clean relief pitcher. I noticed that he takes a shower before every game and before stretch. Why are you watching him shower? He walks out while the media is allowed in. He's already in his uh, in his uh, shower towel. Very clean guy. Yeah, very clean guy. <laughs> I never see you take a shower, Pilar. That's because I'm working. <laughs> well, let's go out to Kentucky, Pat. You're on with Kevin Pilar on Dodger Talk. Hey, buddy. How you doing? I'm good. How you doing? 
You don't like it when people call you buddy, do you? No, we're friends. I don't really like it. Oh, well, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, How you doing, Pat? What do you got uh, for Kevin Pillar tonight? Well, Kevin, um, how how do you uh, play baseball? I mean, never knowing when you're going to be in the lineup or not. Well, that's not necessarily the case. I think, uh, you know, over the last couple of years, communication's gotten really good with, you know, front office, players, coaches. Uh, guys usually know, um, you know, when they're going to be in the lineup, when they're not going to be in the lineup. Um, you know, early in my career, I was an everyday player. I expected to be in the lineup every day. Um, you know, lately that hasn't been my role, but the communication's always there. You know, some guys know their role without having to be told. There's certain guys that are going to face left-handed pitching. There's certain guys that are going to face right-handed pitching. Um, but the communication's there. You know, a lot of times it might be during the game. It might be right after the game. Hey, you're going to be in left field tomorrow. You know, so, but, you know, as a professional, I think it's our job to show up expecting to be in the game. When you're a bench guy, you just learn how to follow along with the game. You see situations uh, coming up. You're constantly looking at the bullpen. You're constantly looking at, you know, who's coming up in the lineup, guys that could be potentially pinch hit for. There's certain guys that are never going to be pinch hit for. So you just you just stay ready. I've heard the Dodger relief pitchers say they're always looking at not innings but groupings of hitters. As a pinch hitter, I know you played for the Giants in a similar, similar role, the Mets, similar role. Are you looking at certain two or three pitchers that you know late in the game they're going to call Kevin Pillar's name to go face? Absolutely. You kind of know uh, going into a series, going into a game, potential spots in the lineup you would hit, potential situations. You know, more than likely a guy like myself is going to face a left-handed pitcher for certain guys. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was it's actually funny. We were out. Gratterall was throwing a live BP today. Yeah. And I was sitting out there with Doc, and I was watching him throw, and I told him, you know how much I hated you for when I was with San Francisco that you would call this guy's number to face me <laughs> all the time, and I hated it. <laughs> and I'm very glad to be his teammate now. Well, what is it like to face Bruce Star Gratterall? Gratterall is also very unique in the sense that you face a lot of guys that throw really hard, and they try very hard to do it. We call them max effort pitchers. Gratterall is the complete opposite. It looks like he is lobbing the ball in there, and it gets in there and so quick. He is a freak athlete. He has a freakish arm. It's very, it's very effortless. But his uh, his windup is very quick. So the quickness of him getting rid of the ball and then the velocity and the ease that it comes out, the movement, it's a nightmare. I know last year Kenley Jansen was trying to show him his cutter grip and, and trying to encourage him to be more of a pitcher than a thrower. Do you feel like he's evolving into that? Absolutely. You know, they have a great great staff here, great pitching coaches here. Um, you know, Players, too, like to share stuff, you know, and for Kenley to, you know, share his knowledge and, you know, one of the best cutters in yeah. baseball to, to share it with him doesn't mean he's going to be able to throw it like Kenley, but to encourage him to use another weapon. You know, Rado's a guy that throws a power sinker, so it's moving into right-handed hitters and moving away from lefties. So for him to have a pitch that's moving the opposite direction makes it even more difficult for him to hit.
first-hand knowledge right there from Kevin Pillar. Thank you. 866-987-2570 is the phone number. Let's go out to uh, Brett in Huntington Beach. You're on with Kevin Pillar on Dodger Talk. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Congratulations, Kevin, on a wonderful career. Um, I got to see you play back in college. My son Brandon played ball with you a couple of years at Dominguez Hills. Uh, he wanted to say hi, too. Unfortunately, he's at work tonight. Last um, name? Last name. Yep. What's uh, his last name? You, um, my last name is Hayes. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, my yeah. My son's Brandon Hayes. Yeah, I played yeah. with him. I, yep, I, uh, he enjoyed it. thought you were a wonderful guy. Very happy for the fact that you got there. and He's watched your career. The whole family shares your highlights whenever you, whenever we see you make a diving catch, which is quite often. So I appreciate that. I uh, wish you the best to get back as soon as possible. Well, thank you for uh, that. Tell them I say hello. Uh, one quick question for you about okay. playing in San Francisco. How bad was the wind there? It, it is a very difficult place to play. Um, San Francisco is one of the more challenging outfields to navigate. Um, it has recently become a little bit easier. They've obviously changed the dimensions of the outfield, but a big part was that area in right field used to have an opening in right field so the wind could blow through it. And obviously it being right there in the bay, the wind's blowing all the time. And, you know, the the direction that the stadium faces is a little unconventional to a lot of other stadiums where they built it. So the sun is also a factor there too. But going from what I like to say, the comforts of playing in the Rogers Center yeah. in a dome where you're not really dealing with elements, although we play a lot of road games too, being taken out of uh, the American League and going to stadiums that I was very comfortable to and then being thrown into playing for the Giants and being in San Francisco, um, it was definitely difficult. You had to learn, you know, there's, there's certain flags in the stadium that blow a certain direction, but there's always somewhere you could look that you're going to get the true wind direction because we are in this big stadium that's a dome, so the wind may appear that it's blowing out, but it may actually be blowing across the field. So coaches, guys that have been to other stadiums, there's always somewhere you can look in the stadium to get the true wind direction. But San Francisco's a very difficult place to play. Um, ask any outfielder that's you know played there for a long period of time or goes there as a visiting place, it, it's, a, it's a very difficult place to navigate. Triples Alley out there at Oracle Park, right? That's what they used to call it, maybe still do? They still do. It's been modified a little bit because they built the bullpens out there recently, so it's not as big of an alley anymore, but it's definitely an intimidating place to kind of just be thrown into. Um, it's definitely one of the things that when opposing teams come there, um, they have a little bit of an advantage um, knowing how to navigate the outfield also Pilar in right field I've seen some outfielders where the ball is looking like it's going to hit off that scoreboard wall you have to be able to know how to play that angle as well right yeah I think that's things that are behind the scene that a lot of people don't know that you know players are doing all the time is you know we're not just going out there and you know hitting and, and shagging every day we're you know hitting balls down the line, seeing how they're going to carry them around. You're hitting balls off the wall and seeing which direction they're going to bounce. San Francisco obviously has a brick wall, so it's going to bounce off harder. So when the ball's hit over, you know you have to give yourself a little bit more space. There's other places like here that's completely padded where you can be a little bit more aggressive going back, knowing that the ball's not going to carry them as far. 
the gaps are also a little bit smaller here, so you can be a little bit more aggressive. But San Francisco's definitely a unique place to play um, from an outfield standpoint. It, it, it can be challenging at times. As far as Fenway Park goes, the in right field, right center field, it has a weird angle as well. Is it comparable to how treacherous it may be to play? Yeah, it's it's very similar to San Francisco in the fact that it's slightly off center field. The deepest part's actually right center field. A lot of, you know, area to cover there. But same thing, I played in Fenway too, and that's also an advantage that guys that are playing there 81 games a year have over opposing teams, especially teams that come from the National League. You know, you got to get out there and you got to learn how to play the wall, learn how to navigate it. There's different thoughts of how you actually play left field in Fenway. Some people like to play a little bit more shallow, try to take line drives away, try to take bleeders away. Some people want to play a little bit deeper and be able to try to catch the wall that catch the ball that's barely going to hit the wall. But um, that's just a lot of different strategies that go into it. Every organization has their own, you know, thought or belief on how to how to do it. Um, but playing there for 81 games is that's definitely a unique challenging place to play too that's awesome insight right there see guys don't just show up at seven o'clock and go play baseball there's a lot of preparation involved 866-987-2570 is the phone number wow let's go out to evan in santa monica he has a very impressive kevin pilar fact to share with us evan you're on with kevin pilar Thanks, David. Hey, Kevin, uh, quick question. When you were on your 54-game hitting streak in college... Wait, wait, wait. Like hold on right in- there. Hold, hold on, Evan. You can't just flippantly say when you had a 54-game hitting streak in college. Number one, Pilar, <laughs> please acknowledge and validate that you had a 54-game hitting streak in college? Are you kidding me? You can check the record book. 54-game yeah. hitting streak? Oh, my gosh. All right, Evan, continue Incredible. with your question. It's incredible, Kevin, but what was it like stepping into the box? Like, even when you're in the 20s and 30s of that hitting streak, did you were you just floating on cloud nine all the time, or was every at-bat a grind? And just what was that perspective like? No, I, I mean, I think as a, as a baseball player, I think every day your expectation is to go out there and get a hit, you know, at least to have a good at-bat. But, you know, in college, my expectation was to go out there and get a hit every time I stepped on the field. And for me, you know, one game led to two, two led to ten, and, you know, wasn't super aware of it. I think once I got into, like, the 20s, I was coming up on the school record, and then there started to be a little bit more added pressure to it, something I wanted to accomplish. Then when I got into the 30s, it was, like, the conference record. And then when I got into, like, you know, the upper 30s to 40s, you know, I was chasing Division two record. Um you know, when playing at a small Division Two, to see your name on ESPN chasing, um, was it T- uh, who was it that uh, someone had a 58 game hitting streak in college, and obviously you were being compared to uh, the 56 game hitting streak. Um, yeah, I mean, I started to, I started <laughs> to feel the pressure a little bit more. Um, the opposing teams were a little bit more aware of it. You know, anytime someone's kind of going through that, you want to be the guy that stops it. Um, I stopped seeing as many good pitches to hit, but, you know, it was, it was a pretty special time. You know, I think I was just really locked in for a whole season and, uh, it was a pretty special time in my life. I think in some way, I think it kind of put me on the map a little bit for 
scouts, you know, playing at a small Division two college. Let's check out this kid that's having this hitting streak. They started to come out and watch a little bit. So it was definitely a big part of me being discovered and me being found. Holy smokes, I never knew that about Kevin Pillar. 54-game hitting streak was, in college What baseball. a hitter I was. Sheesh. By the way, I just uh, Googled it, and a fellow by the name of Garrett Whittles, Florida International University, had a 56-game hitting streak back in 2010. That's a division, two-hit shy of a Division One record uh, that he set. So that's pretty amazing. I don't know what the D1 record is, but it's 58 games by somebody. I don't know who that is. So uh, Robin Ventura. Yeah, Robin Ventura Holy at Oklahoma smokes. State. That's what it was, Robin Ventura. Wow. Look at that. Good I research. Am, Good research. I know. Wow. That was Colin Yee back at our Burbank studios uh, that had that information. Okay, so how did the hitting streak come to an end? Was it? Did you have four really good at-bats? Were you robbed? Is there some drama between? Uh, yeah, there was a little drama. We were playing our uh, rival in college, UC San Diego, in the conference uh, tournament. Um, and we played doubleheader, seven inning games, and I had two official at-bats and was walked my last at-bat to end it. Were you upset about being walked that last at-bat? Yeah, I was upset. It was something, I mean, it was something that was going to come to an end eventually. I would have liked to have been on my own terms, but it's part of the game. You know, I think that's the ultimate sign of respect when you get walked in this game, so it was part of it, but it was a a really cool, uh, special moment in my life, and like I said, I think it's a Kind of put me on the map a little bit. No doubt. Wow. Let's end it that way. That's a good way to walk it off right now. Thank you so much for coming up here and spending uh, your late night with us and talking to the fans. That's something that doesn't happen too often, so we really appreciate it. We will do it again soon. I love it. I love it. And by the way, coaching or broadcasting is in Kevin Pillar's future, but not in the near future. Not in the near future. September baseball is in Kevin Pillar's near future. Thank you. Thank you so much. Kevin Pillar, Dodger outfielder, gracious enough to stay with us the full hour up here on Dodger Talk. The Dodgers beat the Padres tonight 8-3, to are looking for the three-game sweep tomorrow. Uh, going up against you, Darvish, Tyler Anderson, Morongo Casino, Dodgers on deck begins at 3 o'clock. First pitch at 4.08. In case you missed any of the show, you can find it on the iHeartRadio app. Thanks to Colin Yee back at our Burbank studios. Thanks to Dwayne McDonald here at Dodger Stadium. And a very special thank you again to Kevin Pillar. We will talk to you tomorrow night. See ya. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event. So give your friends something to look at. Like a B&B with an ocean view. An endless field of wildflowers or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824.